1: If you haven't tried out Book Riot Insiders, now is the time. It's our resource specially designed for our fellow book nerds, and you can try it free for two weeks. There are different levels available, so you can decide which perks you want, from a monthly behind-the-scenes newsletter to exclusive podcasts and giveaways. And speaking of perks, we've also got a new release index curated by resident reader Liberty Hardy, so you can see the most exciting new books coming in the next few months. Check it out and sign up for your 14-day free trial at insiders.bookriot.com. That's insiders.bookriot.com for a free 14-day trial.
0: You're listening to All the Books, a weekly show of recommendations and enthusiasm regarding the week's new book releases. This is episode 220, and today we are talking about books being released on August 6, 2019, and more. I'm Liberty Hardy, here with Rebecca Shinsky, and we're coming to you from bookriot.com. Hello, hello. I said two. two I don't, why didn't I say 220? I don't know. I don't I know. Always, I change it up every time. I'm
1: all over You just mind. gotta keep it interesting. Keep the people yeah. guessing.
0: I am gonna be super excited when it's 227 though, because <laughs> I watched the sitcom when I was little, and so I'll get super excited. I don't
1: no one, know. What... Like
0: No one even knows. It's like Jack yeah, like, and <laughs> Olivia from Sesame Street, and I, I just loved it. Um, I don't
1: think it was <laughs> That's on very exciting. long, though. Yeah, I only know A from Sister, Sister.
0: Which I never watched, so see. Well, it was excellent. I recommend education.
1: it. <laughs> <laughs> it's almost uh, like there's too much TV in the world to have seen all of it.
0: Right? And sometimes it's amazing how much like you actually have seen when you think about it. You That's know, true. I'm, I'm like, wow, I've seen that and that and that. Um, I am so excited about today's episode for many reasons. So I want to get started, but before we do that, I want to tell you about today's first sponsor. Actually, you're going to tell us about today's first sponsor.
1: This episode is also sponsored by House of Salt and Sorrows by Erin A. Craig from Penguin Random House. Annalie lives a sheltered life at High Moor with her sisters. Once there were 12 of them, but loneliness fills the Grand Halls now that four of the girls' lives have been cut short. Annalie becomes increasingly suspicious that her sister's deaths were no accidents. The girls have been sneaking out every night to attend Glittering Balls, and Annalie isn't sure whether to try to stop them or to join their forbidden trysts. When Annalee's involvement with a mysterious stranger who has secrets of his own intensifies, it's a race to unravel the darkness that has fallen over her family before it claims her next. That's House of Salt and Sorrows by Aaron E. Craig, available wherever books are sold, or find the link in our show notes. Thanks to them for sponsoring.
0: Okay, so... Okay, so my I'm so excited about my first pick. I don't know if I can do it without laughing wildly or just like sobbing hysterically because I'm so happy about it. I'm That's a whole range of emotion. Like I'm kind unhinged. So, as I've mentioned a few times on the show, occasionally I will just read a book, just go in without knowing anything about it because I've heard like someone say you should read this book, or I see it on the internet somewhere. So, this book is called Hollow Kingdom by Kira Jane Buxton, and I had marked it down, put it on the insider's calendar, because I heard someone say, I loved this book, but I was like, oh, I don't know what it's about, and I'm going to get to it. And so last night, I sat down to start reading it. I got 10 pages in, and I was like, what am I reading? <laughs> and it was like the delight of my life. So I went back, and I I pulled up the information about the book, and Karen Joy Fowler said, this book is like The Secret Life of Pets Meets the Walking Dead. What? And I was like, What? I had no idea. It is so awesome. It's so awesome. I can't even handle it. It's like a zombie novel. Okay, so there's going to be some gross stuff. It's a zombie Mm -hmm. novel told entirely by animals. The main character is a crow. It's a very domesticated... He's a domesticated crow. He has a buddy that he lives with. Um, His name is St, which is short for something that I can't say on the um, air. And so St lives with this guy, Big Jim, and... Through the narration from St, we get the idea that like he's not the most popular fellow. Um, he might be a bit of a sexual deviant. Um, he's you know he lives by himself. He likes porn. He likes you know big trucks and guns and you know. But like they get along. He gives he gives um, St Cheetos, which are his favorite food. And like they also there's also a dog that lives there uh, named Dennis. And St hates Dennis. He thinks he's useless. And Um, so one day, like the very first thing that this is like the very beginning of the book in the first couple of pages, he's talking about hanging out with big Jim on the lawn and big Jim bends over to pick something up and his eyeball falls out (laughs) and Dennis tries to eat it. Oh man. Right. So this is like, I started my marking down lines that I loved so much, but I couldn't do it because it was just too much. But this book is so dark and funny. And, and ST, like, he sees this happen, he says, I'm making a mental note to add this to my petition to get Dennis evicted from our domicile, because surely once you've tried to eat your roommate's eyeball, you gots to go.
1: <laughs> <laughs> this is the very best kind of book to come to cold.
0: Oh my goodness. I was like, this, this is like a late birthday present. I was
1: like, this is just for me. That's amazing. So
0: yes, there are zombies. But of course, like, the... ST doesn't really know what zombies are. And there are some other animals that start talking, like, cats and stuff. They're talking, like, their owners are acting very strange, or their owners have left, and they haven't come back, but they've turned a green color, and all they do is stand and scrape their fingers on the walls, and... Um, you know, they don't know what's going on, so ST finally kind of gets an idea that, like, everyone is not well, because he leaves the house, and he flies around, and he sees that everyone is behaving like this, so, like, all the humans, so he, he goes back to the house, and he decides, like, he's going to save Big Jim, he's going to find a cure for this, and, but he's gonna have to leave him, and he's sad about that, but, like, he takes Dennis, even though Dennis drives him crazy, 'Cause Dennis is like very sad that, you know, Big Jim isn't playing with him anymore and, and doesn't know what's going on. Um he doesn't but like he doesn't realize like Big Jim would probably eat him if he went downstairs. Um and so he takes his animal friends and, like along with Dennis and they go and try to find a cure for what's going on. It's just amazing. It is so funny. It's also seriously profane. Um, you know, there's a lot of swearing, there's a lot of, of funny stuff. Um I think my possibly my favorite line from the beginning was he was trying to figure out what was going on through the animal internet, which they call the aura, which is like all the animals talking. He's trying to figure out what's going on. And he said, it says, um, from the highest branch of a Douglas fir, everything seemed quiet except for the prattle of squirrels that I tried to block out because much of what they say can't be unheard, which is unfortunate since squirrels are five-star sexual deviants. <laughs> I was like, this book was made for me. But, so here's the thing. Okay. It's a zombie novel, all right? People are going to die. Animals are going to die. I don't like animals dying in books, but it's kind of, like, different, where it's, like, not, like, humans are, like, actively hurting animals. Um, it's it's a zombie novel. And, you know, it's so funny. It's also incredibly touching. I laughed a lot. I cried. I loved it. And it's just, it's so great. Um, and the, what, I, I'm i gonna say this. I kind of feel bad. Maybe I shouldn't say it. I don't know. I'm gonna say it anyway. I don't think the cover does it justice. Mm. Um, I had the impression it was a YA novel. Several people, when I was talking about it last night, had the impression that it was a YA, YA novel. It's got, like, this cartoony crow on the front of it. Um, but it is most definitely for grown-ups. However, if, like, kids get a hold of it and read it, like, hey, right on. Like, more profane children. I'm all for it. Um, but it's... I just can't believe it's a debut novel, and I'm so glad that I found it. Um, in the most like the most respectful way, I want to say that if I was a zombie, I would eat... Kira Jane Buxton's brains first. So it is called Hollow Kingdom and it is by Kira Jane Buxton.
1: This is going to be a hard right turn. My first pick this week is a book I've been looking forward to, I think, since the day she announced she had a book deal a couple of years ago. It's called Godland: a story of faith, loss, and renewal in Middle America. It's by Liz Lenz. She's a wonderful writer. She is a journalist. She grew up in the Midwest in an evangelical church, or really a series of evangelical churches, um, and then married a man that she knew who was also... In evangelical churches. And as, their, as they grew through their late 20s and into their early 30s and had a family, she got woke, essentially, and really became in touch with her identity as a feminist, with progressive values, and with the ways that the church that she was a part of was in conflict to those values. And for a long time, really felt torn about these two parts of her identity, how important and central to her her faith was, but also how important and central to her um, feminism and inclusivity and progressive values were. And then in the wake of the 2016 election, her husband went like full MAGA and she went fully in the other direction and they ended up separating and divorcing. And this book is part memoir part investigation into the like deep entanglement of religion and politics especially in the midwest um and then how how that affected her individual life. Um, It is, I think, a little heavier on the investigation journalism parts than it is on her personal story. So if you're looking for like a juicy memoir about leaving your husband because he voted for Trump, um, it's not that. It's a really, really thoughtful look at Big systems um, and big things that happened, and her life as a microcosm, as one example of those. And you do get a lot of personal perspective and personal stories, but like this is not a tell all gossipy story. Um, and I think it's better for that. Um, it's so thoughtful and carefully considered and the big success of this book is that like it takes a part of the country seriously that is not often taken seriously there's all of this like head scratching about the midwest and jokes about the midwest and like most people many people in media i think fail to give serious weight like these are real people who do have real communities and real cultures and taking them seriously and understanding what's going on there is part of understanding the situation our country is in right now and people from outside have attempted to do that journalists from the coasts like to show up in the south or they like to show up in the midwest and you know like try to understand what's happening with the locals but liz lens is writing from the inside she's a, she's been a member of church communities she has been a midwesterner her entire life and so she understands the complexities and the nuance and the humanity inside those struggles that people that she disagrees with fervently are humans that she wants to treat with humanity and compassion. And that understanding that and like tangling through it rather than dismissing them because she disagrees with them is like if we're going to get anywhere, that's how we're going to get there. Um, it's a very honest look and critical at times at the church as a structure the evangelical church in particular the ways that faith and politics are tied together when you know technically they're not supposed to be Um, and I just found it to be very thoughtful and thought provoking and I would like to read more of these kinds of things I'm looking forward to whatever she does next she has a really lovely lovely voice and I thought a great balance between the memoir and the journalistic investigation parts. so that is Godland by Liz Lenz
0: all right I'm gonna swing us back around in a different direction now (laughs) um, with a novel. It actually came out last week, but we are recording this a week early, and I did not get my fourth book in time, mostly because I was too busy on the internet talking about Hollow Kingdom. (laughs) So I'm gonna talk about one of the books that came out last week because it was excellent. It's called The Vexations, and it's by Caitlin Horrocks. And it's a debut. It's fantastic. I must admit, it's based on a real person. It's about a real person. I had no idea who he was. It's Eric Satie, who is a French composer. Oh yeah, um, yeah. See, everyone seems to know him. Exactly.
1: I, oh, my uh, college roommate, was obsessed with him. I would never have How known very him otherwise.
0: Strange. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's very interesting. Um, so it's this beautiful novel about his life and the life of his two siblings. Um, they started out living a very privileged life uh, in Paris. There was Eric, who was the oldest, and then uh, Louise, the middle child, and then Conrad, who was the baby. But when they were young, I think Eric was like 10 or 11, um, their mother passed away suddenly. And their father takes them to live in the country with his mother, Agnes, who is not a great person. Um, For example, uh, she had... um, I can't remember which of the babies it was. She had one of the babies baptized at a church that... The mother had the baby baptized at a church that the grandmother didn't approve of, and she mm-hmm. told her that God was going to judge her and get her back, and now she thinks, like, this is how he did it. Yikes. Um, so she's not a great lady. Uh, and she immediately sends Eric off to school, and the children are all separated. Like, they're all essentially orphans now. Their dad can't handle the fact that their mother passed away, and he's nowhere He's nowhere to be found. And so they're kind of, like, sent all over. Um, and as, you know, Eric becomes this this amazing composer, um, you know, you get to see him as, as he grows up, he's sort of wild and volatile. And, you know, he, he has that like eccentricity that comes along with genius very often. Um, he can be very difficult, uh, and he doesn't get along with a lot of people. He had, he was in love for like six months and then it didn't work. And he decided like, that's it, you know, not doing that again. Um, but he ends up being like this really important part to the Parisian bohemian scene, like that he was a a really famous composer at that time. Um, and Conrad becomes a well-respected chemist. Louise herself is also a musician, but unfortunately because of the, you know, time in which she grew up, it's mostly all that is expected of her is to, you know, marry and have children. And so she's kind of limited in what she gets to do. Um, and you know, they keep in touch, but, at the time of the first, the first chapter is about Eric's death. Um, they were not, they were not talking to him. Like he hadn't seen his brother in a long time, and he goes into his apartment after he dies, and he's just like, astounded by what he's found. Um, it's, it's really heartbreaking, but I found it incredibly compelling, and I, I couldn't stop reading it. Um, and, and I'm not gonna lie, like when I was like, okay, you know, I'll read anything, but when I, re- I was like, well, I don't know who this guy is, you know,
1: I don't know, I'm not
0: gonna like this, I don't know, but I loved it. I loved it. It's so good. So, again, it's called The Vexations by Caitlin Horrocks.
1: All right. For summer steaminess, I'm here with The Right Swipe by Alicia Rye. She is one of the best contemporary romance writers, I think. Um, I think the internet largely agrees with me, and this is her newest one. The main character is a woman named Rhiannon Hunter. Um, She is the founder of an online dating app, a swiping based dating app, like, you know, Tinder or Bumble or whatever. Um, And hers has a feminist perspective to it that um, you, that gives the women a lot more power and control, but that also doesn't assume anything about what female users might want. Um, And she sometimes uses the app herself incognito. Uh, Several months back, she hooked up, ...with a guy, had an amazing night, like they had a really deep connection and she hoped to see him again and she never heard from him so she's been recovering from him ghosting her. When she goes to a big industry event hosted by a competitor dating app that she's hoping to acquire and she sees the guy on stage promoting the other app and she finds out that he was also incognito the night that they met he's a former nfl player who's um who has family connections to this other app and so that is why he's trying to date and he's becoming the spokesperson for it so of course this is a romance they Uh, find their way back to each other, straighten out the misunderstanding. He wasn't actually ghosting her. There were some things going on in his life where he didn't reach out to her immediately, so she blocked him on the app, and then he had no way to contact her. So they get back together. They set some rules about what their relationship is going to look like, but of course, it's a romance, and so they fall for each other in a bigger way than they have intended to. Things are complicated by the fact that he's connected to one of her competitors and she's not sure that she's going to be successful in winning the bid to acquire that company. And it's just a good like it's just a steamy story. They have believable problems, um, believable sort of conflict with each other that comes from previous relationship experiences and like previous relationship trauma in a softer kind of way Um, and some, you know. Backstory. These are real humans who have real backstory. Um, also, woven through it is that Samson, the former NFL player, is a, is a kind of activist for uh, traumatic brain injury and concussion research because of how prominent that is in the NFL, but also because two of his relatives who also played in the NFL have died of conditions related to it. And so, there's also a very, I think, current um, social angle to some of the stuff that's going on in his story. Alicia Rye, you can tell, has just really thought about who these people would be in the world and not just what their relationship with each other would look like, but what their full lives and friendships would look like, the kinds of things that they would care about, and how that would shape them into individuals, but also people who find their way to each other. It was a really fun, steamy read. She writes great love scenes um, and in some creative places. So I thought it was a lot of fun. It's called The Right Swipe by Alicia Rye.
0: All right. I'm going to tell you about our next sponsor. Our sponsor... our Well, one of our sponsors today. I can never say it right. Damn it. Okay. <laughs> Let's try this again. Our next sponsor is One Good Deed by David Baldacci. It's 1949. When war veteran Aloysius Archer is released from Carderock Prison, he's sent to Poka City on parole with a short list of do's and a much longer list of don'ts. But the small town quickly proves more complicated and dangerous than Archer's years serving in the war or his time in jail. When a murder takes place right under Archer's nose, police suspicions rise against the ex-convict, and Archer realizes that the crime could send him right back to prison if he doesn't use every skill in his arsenal to track down the real killer. Number one, New York Times best-selling author David Baldacci introduces a new, unforgettable character, Archer, a straight-talking World War II vet fresh out of prison for a crime he didn't commit. So that's One Good Deed by David Baldacci, and we thank them for sponsoring. Alrighty. Now... I read this book many, many, many months ago, so please forgive me if my uh, recollections are a little furry. I did not have time to reread it, um, but I loved it, and I think I've, I think I remembered everything. Ha! And I said furry, and it's this book about foxes! <laughs> it's Scary Stories for Young Foxes by Christian McKay Heidecker, and it's illustrated by Junyi Wu. Um, the galley that I read did not have the illustrations, But uh, looking at the cover, if they're anything like that, they're absolutely gorgeous. Um, And so it's a bunch of stories. It's eight interconnected stories. And they are scary. It's like a middle grade book. Um, And it's about foxes. Basically, these two foxes, these two kits, Mia and Yuli. Um, And so their plot is like these stories... Are not supernatural, like they're not scary, like to us, like you know. But to them, they're told in the way of like nature. So it's because they're being told by foxes. Mm. These are the things that are frightening to them, like um, you know, rabies and hunters and traps and predators. And you know, um, Yuli's father is is a villain, and he wants them to get rid of him because he's the weakest of the of the den. And so you know, he's he's out to get Yuli. And you know, there's natural selection. It's just. All the stuff that is scary to foxes, you know. But to, like, the foxes, these are, like, monsters and zombies and ghosts, you know. There's one story about Beatrix Potter that I just haven't been able to bring myself to look up. Because <laughs> if what they're discussing is true, it's so horrifying Oh that, no! you know, I couldn't even handle it. Um, but they are really well-written, creepy, scary stories. And so, like, you know, you know your children best. You know, if you think that they are going to be frightened when they read these in, like, a screaming in the middle of the night kind of way, it might not be the time to give them this book. But then, like, you never know. Like, children are afraid of, like, the strangest things. Like, like when I was a kid, we couldn't watch the Today Show uh, when Dr. Art Uline was on because my brother was terrified of him. And, like, like what? You know? Like, he would go to bed and think, like, whatever Dr. Art Uline was talking about that day, he definitely had it. And nobody was sleeping that day. So, but you don't, like... It's sort of like reading like scary stories. What is it? Scary stories that you tell in the dark. Uh-huh. Like a Classic, yeah. which I've never read. Isn't that? Weird? Oh. Um, or like R. you should Stine. read it and
1: report back on if it yeah. holds up.
0: I've been meaning to. Um, you know they're scary, but they're so well written and they're so interesting, and I just absolutely loved them. It's scary stories for young foxes by Christian McKay Heidegger.
1: All right. This is a catch-up title that I meant to read months ago, and I'm just getting to now. It's Notes from a Young Black Chef by Kwame Unwachi. It opens when he is 26 years old. He's already been on top chef he is about to open a very talked about restaurant in washington dc and he like as the story opens as the memoir opens um he is talking about being at the new museum of african american history in washington dc making a dinner of traditionally black dishes for a pre- predominantly black audience and understanding like how far he's come and what it is like to be cooking these kinds of food foods for this kind of Audience. It then rewinds to his childhood in the Bronx. Um, when he was like six or seven, he was sent to, or maybe it was in um, elementary school. I've lost track exactly of the timeline, but we, when he was relatively young, his mother sent him to um, rural Nigeria to live with his grandfather um to quote, learn respect. Um, and while he was there, he did learn that, but he also, you know, learned some things about street life and he, um, learned how to cook and really gained connections to parts of his culture. He moves back to New York, back to the Bronx with his family eventually. And he becomes involved in gang life, but also is a good student. Like he goes to a um, relatively nice school and he sort of straddles the line. Uh, Actually his whole life may, maybe at that point can best be described as like, he's perpetually code switching between being who he calls bougie Kwame and then being like, Kwame, who's in a gang um, and who deals drugs and is really just like kind of ungrounded because he's moving back and forth between these two ways of expressing his identity, but not really feeling connected to anything. For his whole life, though, he's felt connected to food. His mother is a wonderful cook um, and ultimately leaves her job as an accountant to become one of the best known caterers in the Bronx. Um, And He just sort of is wandering like he gets kicked out of college for smoking weed when he's 18 or 19 and just is dealing drugs for a while, not doing really well. And then he has this like wake up moment that I won't spoil how it occurs um, that brings him back to cooking and his culture and food. and. After that moment, just over the course of a few years, he becomes an amazing chef. Um, he wins the James Beard Foundation Award for um, Rising Star Chef of the Year. He's a contestant on Top Chef. I'm like quoting these accomplishments out of order, but he does all kinds of things very quickly. Um, the food industry is not easy to gain a foothold in and to rise up th- through the ranks of, especially if you're a person of color. And he manages to do that. And this is just a fascinating story. I love a food memoir, um, especially the ones that really take into consideration the person's whole life. The fact that he's really young when he's writing this like, is especially remarkable, the career that he had and the connection that he feels to food, but also like the very very real purpose that food and cooking have served in his life and lifting him up out of a life path that would not have been productive or healthy or what he wanted at all. Um, I've been listening to it on audio. I'm like, almost done. It's really, really wonderful with his narration. And again, that is Notes from a Young Black Chef by Kwame Onwachi.
0: And now it's going to be a movie. Oh, is it? Yeah, with Lakeith Stanfield.
1: That's very exciting.
0: Who is in Sorry to Bother You, which I think was like the best mm-hmm. movie of last year. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I feel like more people should watch that movie. So I you looking for well, something great to watch, watch Sorry to Bother You because
1: it is amazing. Well, now I have another adaptation to look forward to. That's really yeah. great.
0: I think the news just broke this week, so.
1: Cool. Um,
0: my last pick today is a novel that just made it to the Man Booker Prize long list. Or if you're tongue-tied like me and can't speak, you say, <laughs> you say the Man Liquor Bong List, which my friends have never let me live down. <laughs> It's in a pretty all, quality. I was just so excited about Skippy Dies. I was trying to tell a customer about it, and he just burst out laughing. And my coworker burst out laughing, and I was horribly
1: embarrassed. Anyway. Yeah, that one doesn't get old.
0: Yeah, but now it's like, okay, it's cool. It's fine. <laughs> you know. So, anyway, this book is on it. It is A Particular Kind of Black Man by Tope Folarin, and he's a Nigerian author. And this is about um, a Nigerian family in Utah. The parents immigrated to Utah, and the children have been born there. The main character is Tunde Akinola, and Tunde, he speaks perfect English, but the other children tease him about being Nigerian. They ask him about his skin color. He's not having a great time growing up in Utah. Like He didn't realize people didn't look like his family until he went to school, like in kindergarten. Um, His father thinks everything is fine. He's going to live the American dream, and everything's going to be great. However, his mother... Is sinking deeper and deeper into a depression. She doesn't have any friends there. She doesn't have her family there. She misses Nigeria and one night she takes Tunde and his little brother and leaves the house. But it's very obvious that she is she is not well and his father finds them and brings the boys back. But she decides to go home to Nigeria. So now he has lost his mother and just things aren't the same at home. He never feels a connection with anyone. Um, he gets a stepmother. Um, he doesn't get. He doesn't like go to the store and buy one. I mean, like his father, you know, remarries, and, and he doesn't get along with his stepmother. He desperately wants her approval, but it's not working out. Um, he do, again, still doesn't fit in with the people in his town, or when he goes to college, um, and it's it's just this book. It's this heartbreaking, you know, look at someone uh, trying to fit in at identity, at immigration, um, and him trying to like live in a world where being black seems to be a crime in itself. And so it's just, it's so powerful and amazingly well done. It is A Particular Kind of Black Man by Tope Folarin.
1: All right. In paperback picks for the summer, I really don't know how I made it through the last year without reading this book. It's My Sister the Serial Killer by Oyinkan Braithwaite. Um, It came out in paperback last week on the 30th of July so you can pick it up in your hot little hands right now. Um, The main character is a woman named Karidi and she is very bitter because her sister Ayula is the favorite child. She's gorgeous. The men are all interested in her even though she's like she's super lazy and Karidi is a very hard worker. She just has become the head nurse at her hospital. And oh, by the way, to complicate things, Ayula keeps killing her boyfriends. When the book opens, um, she has called Karidi to help her clean up after the death of the third one, um, which she contends all of them were like not quite accidents, but that like, oh, he came after me. I just happened to be holding a knife and then accidentally stabbed him a bunch of times. Um, So they're like, hiding bodies, and Coridi is very diligently cleaning all of the blood out of the bathroom, and then making up a cover story about where this man who's missing might have gone, because she definitely didn't see him, and she knows that her sister doesn't know anything. Meanwhile, Koridi is deeply in unrequited love with a doctor at the hospital where she works and she just daydreams about him and you know like brings him little snacks and flirts with him and is hoping that he will someday notice that she's beautiful too then the doctor meets Ayula becomes interested in her and Karidi is like oh god because of course if they start dating probably Ayula is gonna kill him too and from there, it just kind of takes off. It's so deadpan, like dry, funny. Um, I read this book faster than I've read, just about anything in the last couple of years. and the the humor is great. It's also just very sharp um the situations that these sisters get themselves into are bananas i would love to watch like a showtime version (laughs) of this where they could really make the story go in all of the directions that uh, that it goes in on the page it was just so much fun and so smart and an unexpected kind of story to read so that is my sister the serial killer by oyink and braithwaite
0: and then he ran into my knife
1: He ran into my knife
0: 10 times.
1: That's what I was thinking about. You know,
0: uh, this book is also on the man liquor Bong list.
1: (laughs) There's some stiff competition over there. Oh my
0: goodness. I think it's like 27 titles on the long list this Mm -hmm. year and they are all so amazing. I just, I'm so glad every time the lists come out, I'm like glad I have to
1: pick. I know, right? It'd be interesting to see. I wouldn't know how to handle it. Well, you don't have to. Right now, all you have to do is tell me what you're going to read next. Okay,
0: so this is the other reason that I'm so excited about today, because I'm just going to say it, and you'll hate me, and whatever. I don't care. Um... Because I got my hands on The Glass Hotel, the new novel by Emily St. John Mandel. Ah. Yeah. And I don't really want people to hate me. I, I do actually feel really bad when I get books in advance, but this is literally my job. This is what I do. You know, I'm, I'm a human movie trailer, you know, for books. <laughs> um, so it says that it is a captivating novel of money, beauty, white collar crime, ghosts, and moral compromise in which a woman disappears from a container ship off the coast of Mar, oh, I've never said this word before, Maratania, and a massive Ponzi scheme implodes in New York, dragging countless fortunes with it. So, like, I literally have read like the first two pages because I've mostly been telling people about it and getting ready for the show. But that is my weekend plans: is to read this book. I'm so excited, so 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 excited. Um, so. What are you going to read next?
1: I'm also going to duck and cover from our readers because I will be, the, we're recording this show early because I'm going to be traveling next week. And the book I've been saving for my trip is The Starless Sea by Erin Morgenster, Woo-hoo! <laughs> which is the long awaited follow up to The Night Circus. It comes out this fall. Um, so you don't have to wait quite as long for it as for the Emily St. John Mandel. But I also feel a little bit guilty about having it early. And I'm really looking forward to reading it. I've heard it's great.
0: It is great
1: all right well good yeah. we can you can we'll both get rotten tomatoes thrown oh, at us. <laughs> like
0: so i'm so excited because like aaron has a new book out emily's got a new book out kelly braffitt has a 600 page fantasy novel coming out in, february, in like january or february it's like all these people whose books i loved many years ago like all at the same time it's just like oh
1: yeah it just seemed like everybody who had a big book in like 2011 is yeah. back now yeah it's very yeah. exciting Yes. all right well yay, books yay books that's all for today you can drop us a line at all the books at bookriot.com you can talk to liberty on twitter at miss liberty i have finally just accepted that i don't tweet anymore but i'm on instagram at rebecca shinsky s-c-h-i-n-s-k-y especially if you like pictures of dogs and trees if you would like to rate or review the show you can do that on apple podcasts it lets us know how we're doing but also it gives us magic algorithm juice and helps other people to find their way to the show which we certainly appreciate
0: and as much as we would love to tell you about more books today, we just don't have the time, but you can read about more titles out now in the show notes at bookriot.com slash books as well as find a link to our weekly new books newsletter.
1: And in the meantime... In the meantime,
0: happy, happy reading.
1: reading. Yay! Woohoo!